Welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. This is a podcast where I am blending the intersections of race, gender, sexuality, faith, and trauma. If there is a topic that most people say we're not supposed to talk about, I'm talking about it because that is how we heal. We don't heal in silence. We heal by speaking out. So today we are talking about what PTSD and depression look like in high performers and um, specifically high performing black women. And so I have Candace Joseph here and Candace, I'm so glad to talk to you. We had an amazing conversation right before we recorded. I hope I catch some of that here. If you would tell listeners who you are, just give them a little bit of your bio. Um, I'm Candace Joseph. I am the chief executive officer of the Joseph Consulting Firm, where, you know, I created the house for all the entrepreneurs live. And all we do is help other entrepreneurs get to where they want to be. I'm the radio show host also of the Business Knowledge Broker Hour on High Value Music Radio, where I believe in giving people free visibility to market their companies, to you know put them on a good position of strength and it comes with love and it comes with light. That's that's really about me. I like to play chess and listen to opera. We talked before about PTSD and as as a black woman I found that we we just don't talk enough about what that looks like for us. There's just not a lot of spaces, especially mainstream spaces where it's discussed. But for you would you share a bit of your story and just your history in in terms of that? I think my history of PTSD, I was diagnosed with PTSD back in 2005. And I think it was a a combination of childhood traumas and traumas that I went through and being an adult. When you talk about PTSD, you don't know. It's like when you get the diagnosis, you're still kind of in that bubbling stage. You don't really know, right? So for me, PTSD used to come out in different ways. And all of it was really self-harm within anything, my mind, my mental state, the environment around me. I I would just self-destruct, basically. I think that's the best way to put it. And that came in the forms of jobs, relationships, friendships, kinships. It was like I would always try to find, it's like I would find something where everything was wrong. And, you know, I did the whole avoidance behavior. I did that as well, where I shut myself off from people. I moved, I, I, <laughs> I moved, I switched addresses, I switched jobs, switched phone numbers, switched email addresses, all of that with dealing with PTSD because I didn't know what it was. So when I found out what it was and I started going to therapy, it made me realize like, okay, I had to sit down and write out my triggers. I had to write out the things that triggered me. I had to write out what my reaction was. What did I say? How did I feel? And, you know, with that and dealing with depression and anxiety at the same time, it was very overwhelming to the point where I used to look in the mirror and I didn't know who I was, what I was, how was I supposed to feel today? You know, how do I keep, how do I put on the mask when inside you're, you're lost, you're lost, you're lost in the woods. Like you're just, you're lost. You don't know what to do, how to feel. When you were going through all of that. So you, you experienced some traumas in childhood Mm -hmm. and then went through some additional things in adulthood. But a lot of that trauma was really fully realized probably in, in adulthood even more, because that's the time that you're really trying to figure out in your early 20s. Who am I? What do I want? What do I do with all this this pain? I mean, what do I do with all of these things in my head? Does does that resonate at all? It does. And I 
think for me, it was more so of I was trying to figure out who I wanted to be as a young woman, as a business professional. During that time, I was, uh, you know, figuring out my sexual identity as well, Mm -hmm. you know, figuring out who I was in those spaces and just trying to be okay with Candace. It was like for the first time I was like, okay, I think I know who I am. And then the more you go through you know, things in adulthood, you're like, oh no, this isn't me. I don't understand. Yeah. Why, how did I get here? Yeah. Yeah. So just one of those things like, you know, how do you fight through that? And I tell everybody, you know, therapy and medication is great, but you have to figure out the pieces of you, you know, you have to get to the core the essence, you know, you have to look in the mirror and say, Hey, I'm okay. You know, oh. so what, you know, so what my left and my right sock don't match today. I'm still cool. <laughs> That's it. Being okay with you during those moments of like early adulthood and you trying to figure out who you are. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about your business and and everything in the interview. So I don't want to rush to that point. But when you were trying to figure what is it that I want? What do I want to do as an entrepreneur, as a business person? What was your process in just kind of trying to to work through with the depression, with the anxiety, with the PTSD? What do I want for my life? Um, you went to therapy. Was there any anything else that kind of helped you? Um, Alcoholics Anonymous helped me. Narcotics yeah. Anonymous helped me as well. And volunteering in those spaces as well. A lot of times people don't want to talk about all types of therapy, yeah. but going to AA and NA, that is a form of therapy as well. Yes. A lot of people don't want to talk about that side because they're like, oh, are you an alcoholic? Oh, are you a drug addict? It's like, no, I'm neither of those things, but I'm okay with putting myself in situations of where I get that self-check to not go to those edges, yeah. you know, and go there. I was introduced to 12-step programs last year, and at some point, I'm going to talk about that with my listeners. And it's a resource that I give to my clients. There's so many different 12-step programs. There's, you know, there's AA, there's NA, there's, oh, there's, you know, Overeaters Anonymous. There's, there's CODA, Codependence. Yes. Um, I did that one too. Addicts. Um, I did that one too. Yeah. There's under owners. And then, and then there's, there's debtors anonymous, which is, those are the two, the, the debtors and the under earners. And Mm -hmm. There's 12 steps is amazing. The ther- therapy is, I, I feel like 12 steps and therapy. I'm going to talk about this later. So I'm going to try not to even share all of this no, shit no, no. now, but, no, no, no. but, but okay. it's like a perfect toolkit for if you really want to figure out how to live, get into a 12 step program, because no matter what you're dealing with, there is one for you. Yes. And the beauty of it is that it's, you're in a room, you're in a space virtually or, or in person or over the phone. You're in a space with people that are being really super honest. But see, that's just the thing. That's yeah. the vulnerability part, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't even realize that in order for you to, well, some realize it and some are going through the motions. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. In order for you to really get what therapy is about, and for all of you to go through those 12-step programs and understand what they truly are, you have to be brutally honest with yourself. You have to be brutally honest and you have to be open to changing yourself. A lot of people forget that part. You have to be open with who you are, open about your issue. You know, people always say, oh yeah, you know, I checked my Zodiac. Oh yeah, I did the personality test. Okay, well you've done the personality test. You found out your relationship with love, your relationship about how you feel about money, your relationship about how you feel about family, according to your Zodiac. So get into a twist program to help facilitate that. I mean, I'm, I, I say it in a joking manner, but it's very mm-hmm. serious. And I think that it, it helped me 
So a lot of times when I go to business meetings and I'm out and I'm sociable with people, they'll be like, oh, do you want to drink? And I'm like, no, water is fine. And they're like, oh, well, what? You don't drink? I said, no. I, I said, I have one celebratory drink. If I have something to celebrate, other than that, the business is business. Let's get to this water. <laughs> I like ice, please. Thank you. <laughs> right. Uh, but, just, you know, it's, the, it's the vulnerability for me, the authenticity yeah. for me in those spaces. And more than that, listen, if you're listening and you're like, oh, you know, there's 12-step programs, no matter what your issue is, and, and they have 12-step programs if you are LGBTQ+, they have 12-step programs if you are just want to be in, in black only spaces or in women only spaces, men only spaces, or there's so many and you have that accountability too. Yeah. If that's what you mean. Yes. Yes. I mean, cause everybody gets a sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get a sponsor and, uh, cause I still have a sponsor to this day mm-hmm. and that's, that's like your accountability partner. Like you guys yeah. check on each other. You know, mm-hmm. um, I did recognize the fact that in some spaces of where I used to go to AA and NA, that some of those people were, were beginning to be codependent on each other. So for yeah. me, I set my boundaries early. I set my boundaries early. Yes, we will check in with each other, but you know, if I want to go out to eat, that don't necessarily mean I'm going out to eat with you, <laughs> you know? Like I, I set my boundaries early. I'm very, I'm a very disciplined person because I know who I was back then in those spaces and I never want to return there. Mm-hmm. You know, look, I'm a person I used to go from, jump from city to city mm-hmm. every Friday. I used to take a flight every Friday, come back every Monday and I would party my butt off the entire weekend. And it didn't matter what city I was in. I didn't care if I didn't have a hotel. I was staying in a hostel. Right. I was in a YMCA. And back then, you know, Craigslist was a thing and you could yes. couch surf for like $5 before yeah. <laughs> Airbnb became a thing. Yeah. And, you know, I used to party on the weekends to avoid the pain of being within solitude. So that's why now I am a person yeah. that people like, okay, well, you, you're not really a partier. It's like, no, the real Candace is not a partier. The you know, this Candace is an introvert. The person that you used to see back in the day, going to the clubs, wearing the ridiculous outfits and hairstyles, that person was lost. It was, it was, I, I would say it was me, but it wasn't me. It was more so of, uh, that was the costume of the avoidance behavior. So this is Candace. Candace. Candace is an introvert. Candace loves opera. I've always loved opera. I listen to chess. I like to cocoon in my own safe space mm-hmm. and work. That's Candace. Oh, I just feel like, first of all, I feel like, does Candace like know me? Like, <laughs> I feel like we're in some ways cut from the same cloth. Like, hold up. Because but you know, Ken- already... Kendra spirits, Kendra spirits yes. meet each other. They do a, a, a long life and that's real. Yeah. Yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I would party. I would club hard, come home at five, six in the morning. I was in the military and people thought that I loved going club and I loved dance and I loved, I didn't, I didn't like all of that. I didn't like all the people. I didn't like all the, there were some components that were a little bit fun a, a tiny bit, but overall I just didn't want to be alone. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then for, for me, those spaces rolled into bad relationships, bad bid business dealings, bad jobs, bad friends, bad people, yeah. period. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's when you already have PTSD and then you start realizing that you're going through the psychological uh, issues with dealing with different types of domestic violence. I dealt with spiritual abuse, financial yeah. abuse. So when you're going through those things and you sit there like, like it's like you're like a powder keg at that point, right? Like a pow- powder keg is kind of like, okay, you know what? You're looking at yourself in the mirror and you say, okay, one day I'm going to explode. 
explode. What's going to happen that day? I explode. And I think I went through that stage for years where I would get up every morning, look in the mirror and say, okay, who are you? Because you're about to pop. What happens when you pop? What are you going to do? You've already isolated yourself. You cut people off. You change your phone number. You change your address. Your parents don't even know where you live. What's going to happen one day when you pop? Mm -hmm. And one day I popped. I did. It came in a form of more so like calling everybody on the phone because that's one of the things you learn in 12 steps. You learn that, you know, one of the steps is you call people and you discuss the aspects that you like about them, that you don't like about them. And if at that during that conversation, you decide if that person is going to be still part of your life. Mm -hmm. And you also apologize for the incorrect behavior or things that you've done to them. It's, it's not so much about like you telling them, well, you did me this way. No, it's about I, these are the things I did to you. So I think part of that breakthrough when I did those phone calls, it was kind of like, okay, wow. I didn't realize I was yelling at people. I was cursing. I was crying. I didn't realize all that. Even though I got those things out. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, it was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to deal with you. We can talk about this another time. I just had to get this off my chest. You know, you just hang up the phone and you think that you're, Yeah. I told them what it was. It was that it was that, that seam breaking slowly. That was the thing. It was kind of like I, I wore victimhood all around me. Mm. I didn't think that I was a bully. I didn't think that I was the aggressor. I didn't think those things about me. I wore my victimhood as the armor so that I would not get into the real pockets of Candace to expose who Candace is mm -hmm. because I didn't want to look at myself in a mirror and be like, oh yeah, you got some issues, girl. Yeah. So I wore victimhood on me. I blame everybody for everything that went wrong in my life. I blame everybody for everything that went right in my life. I never took responsibility for anything that Candace did. Mm -hmm. And I talk about myself in the third person because I'm no longer that person. I'm okay with saying, hey, I wasn't always the nicest person. Hey, I did some things that ruined me financially for years. I'm okay with saying that I was wrong. I wasn't always right. I did right by people, but I didn't do right by myself. How is Whoa. that possible? Even when going through all mm -hmm. the destruction, all of the yes. self-hate, I, I was in a state of self-hate, self-loathing, all of that. And do not get me wrong even with today we, we're still dealing with PTSD still dealing with depression anxiety it comes in waves but I know in those instances I need to cocoon and get real with Candace again do those things that I know that I do best to get myself to check back into life you know what I mean yeah I can tell just because I'm a therapist just listening to you go through your own journey of childhood trauma of of trauma you know your own journey of adulthood, the financial abuse, the spiritual abuse, probably some, you, and I think you, did you mention domestic violence as well? Yes. Um, so domestic violence, all of those things. And I hear you say, I wore, I wore victimhood well, mm -hmm. but what I also hear is a woman who's like, I'm, but I'm doing the work to love me and to accept me and to forgive myself for what I didn't know back then. Yes. Yes. Because, okay, so this is one of those things that, uh, you know, uh, it's one of those quirks that I have, right? I tell people that you, it's one of those things that I really believe it because I wrote it out for myself and I said, you have to be, forgive yourself for your successes and your failures. And that's with everything because you can succeed at something and you're always thinking about the next thing. 
And when that next thing doesn't happen and it's not as great as the last thing, you feel some kind of way about yourself, yeah. right? You can internalize and so, it and, and really feel like a failure. Overall. Failure, mm-hmm. right. So then we don't know how to forgive ourselves for the things that didn't work out. Okay, that job didn't work out. That business plan didn't work out. That relationship didn't work out. Yes, but as long as you know that you did what you were supposed to do in those spaces with the love and the education that you have and the Mm self-love, as long as you did what you knew what you were supposed to do in those situations, you have to forgive yourself or you'll never reach your breakthrough. So I tell people every day I'm striving towards the breakthrough. Every day I'm healing. I don't, I never say, oh yeah, I'm healed. Oh yeah, I'm a healed person. No, 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 no. I think when you go through things every day, you are still taking on some part of that healing. And that's why I always emphasize you got 24 hours every day to make an impact. And the impact that I can honestly say that verbally I don't talk about in spaces or interviews is that every day I'm working towards my own healing. Yeah. You know, people want to say, oh, I went to therapy or I did this. I did 12 steps. So I went to AA. I don't drink anymore. I don't smoke anymore. I don't do this anymore. I don't do drugs anymore. I'm healed. No, you're going to always be in an influx, you know, space of healing. It doesn't stop. Just like learning doesn't stop. Healing doesn't stop. When do we stop having oppressive thoughts? Mm -hmm. We'll blame everybody for everything. So that's why I tell people I had to get rid of my victimhood and that was part of it. I don't want somebody to tell me that I got to, oh, well, you know, you got to do better than me. No, you did what you did with the knowledge and the education and the self-love that you had. I have to do what I have to do for me with the self-love and the knowledge that I have for me. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not my job to live your life or to improve my life based on what you did in your life or past mm-hmm. generations did in there. That's not my goal here. Mm-hmm. You and know? your your life, because when, when you say the word curse, it's like, oh, well, this is just the white way my life is going to go because because mom and dad, because grandma, grandpa, because of all of this long line of pain and of trauma and all of these things, this is I'm supposed to be this way because of them. No, you get you can make your own. You have autonomy. Yeah. <laughs> and if yeah. you if and if you don't have autonomy over your life and decisions, please work towards that. But your life is not determined by the people that came before you. You can you can change some things. You can pivot and make things better. Yes. Yes. So that's, you know, and my thing is this, I sometimes I have to catch myself talking with my brothers and sisters, uh, my brother and sister about like, be better than me, you know, and I tell them use the resources that I didn't have to excel. I don't want you to be better than me. I want you to go beyond me. I want you to use the resources and knowledge that you have that's more advanced than mine and Mm -hmm. take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the encouragement that people need. I always step out and I tell people all the time, do I know everything? No, I'm not perfect, but I work damn hard at mm-hmm. getting where I am, you know? And so that's the reason why I decided that in order for me to get to true healing, I had to figure out my safe spaces. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why I have the company. That's one of the reasons why I have a radio show. I had to create those safe spaces for me in order to get through and get to my breakthrough and really live my purpose. I had to. So can you talk more about your your journey to entrepreneurship as I mean, you're somebody that just grinds and and work, work, work. And I identify with that because I work every single day (laughs) unless I'm on vacation. Can you talk about being a woman who experienced 
significant trauma resulting in PTSD, depression, anxiety, Mm -hmm. and becoming an entrepreneur and creating safe spaces within your work. So my entrepreneurship journey was a little bit different. It was more so of, (laughs) now that I look back on it as an adult, I think a lot of times my friends and my parents, especially my dad, would call me up with different things like, hey, this person need a website, or hey, this person need this, or hey... Hey, this person will meet with you on Saturday. I think in some small way, my my tight knit group of friends mm-hmm. and my parents would try to because they, they they saw the seams coming un, undone. They saw the the, the mask cracking. I think they would try to get me to do different things for different people to keep me busy so that I'm not out trying to avoid people and avoid life and stay within my what I thought back then was a safe space. It just kind of grew from there. Hey, do you know how to do this? Hey, do you know how to do that? So I'm like you. I'm a workaholic. So I think back then at the, the start of my company, it was more so of let me do different things for different people. First of all, to see what I can learn from them and to figure out where I want to be. Do I want to help people or do I want to work a job? How were you helping people? You were building websites. What else were you doing? Uh, building websites, looking over documents, uh, creating documents, reading through contracts, explaining contracts. Uh, I even know how to draw blueprints. Uh, I've done that a lot after the different hurricanes that Wow. Have, you know, Texas and in, in Louisiana, I would help my dad, you know, draw blueprints for people houses that were destroyed. Um, I would give workshops on how to interview for a job, how to write a resume. I was doing those things like 22, 23. So I've always, yeah, so I've always done that, you know, bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. Let me figure out how to what software is good for you. Let me teach you how to use this software. Uh, you know, back then it was kind of like, okay, cool. I could make me some travel money. That mm-hmm. was my thing on Fridays. I'm out of here. So Monday to Friday, I had a money goal that I had to hit. Mm-hmm. And it evolved from there. And I think back then it was really to keep me busy. I didn't really have a goal in going into business. It was more so of let me, I knew I wanted to do it, but I didn't know when it was going to pop off, right? Yeah. So every job I took was stackable. Each skill was stacked to the next and stacked to the next to get me to CEO status. That's where I wanted Mm -hmm. to be. So then when I went through the whole thing of being diagnosed with PTSD, anxiety, depression, I started going to treatment. It started, my goal started to pivot. Instead of me doing things just to keep aimlessly busy, Mm -hmm. it was more so of how am I making an impact Mm -hmm. with this busyness? Mm-hmm. So my goal switched from there and it became a part of my business came a part of my healing because I'm healing myself and I believe that everyone should be at peace in some aspect. So I decided to be the peace agent for entrepreneurs mm-hmm. to bring them to peace in their business, no matter what they needed. Let me put you at peace mm-hmm. so you know how to move forward mm-hmm. with your business. And it just, it grew, it, it grew from there. I have mentors, I have coaches. Yeah, the business guru have coaches. Mm-hmm. I have coaches. I created my safe space where I can make an impact and heal at the same time. 12 steps, therapy, family and friends, close, safe people that love you. Okay. Mm -hmm. You said business coach, mentors. Yes. I feel like I just want to have you on again so we can just talk about this is how you survive. This is how you live. This is how you get your life. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do it alone. You have to be able to have a variety of people that are safe. Yes. And that, and, and that, um, I, sometimes with my therapy clients, I, I call it, you have to have people that are high, high vibrational. I don't know what other word to use. No, but that's perfect. High vibration people. That's right. Because what's the, you know, I look at it like the high frequencies. Um, I had a conversation with someone the other day and we were talking about like 
next steps, next goals, leveling up, right? So for me, it was more so of, I looked at it like in terms of a, a pot of gold and a pot of silver. Mm -hmm. Right. If you're someone that's always you have your pot in front of you and you're always giving out your precious metals. What do you have left at the end of the day for you and for someone else? If you give it, if you're giving your your energy, your resources to people that cannot give you a fair exchange. Mm. Why are you doing it? Because it's just one of those things where it keeps you in your victimhood. It keeps you in self-loathing. It keeps you there. So for me. I created a safe space. I surround myself with people that celebrate me because they knew the old Candace. They knew the old Candace. And it's kind of hard when you're in, when you're meeting new people and they're like, okay, well, you know, this is the person I see. Yes, you see the business guru. You see the person in magazines. You see the person that writes for newspapers. You see, you see, you see, you see, you see the YouTube videos. You could Google me now. Okay. You see all this greatness, but you don't know what lens I took to find my peace and to refine my, I had to find my smile again. I had to find the focus of what Candace's life was going to be. So you have to do it in a safe space. And I did it through business. I did it through going out and giving it away. Last year, I helped over 300 entrepreneurs and nonprofits for free. I didn't ask anybody for a dime because I know what it's like to be in a state of chaos mentally. And now you're dealing with something, uh, you know, with the pandemic that created financial problems for people. So I decided within my company that we were going to give it away and we gave it away. Same thing like with with everything that I have, I'd rather give it away than hoard it for money because I know that in some sense it will help someone get to a space of peace. And sometimes we we find safe people to be around. So when we talk about going through being in a relationship after trauma, you have to make sure that honestly that person is in a flux of healing as well, or it will not work out because they would not understand because somebody said, oh, well, I'm healed from my pain. If that's something that they say, it's kind of like you have to watch out for that. Because the thing about it is when you learn how to love you and you know the things that you you can't be manipulated anymore, you can't, you know what I mean? So, you know, yes. when you, you love yourself, nothing you someone says to you is going to make you think differently about you. No matter if they come to you and it sounds like some type of judgment. Okay, well, oh, if that's how you see me, that's cool. But that's not how I see me. When you get to a place where you love yourself, you respect yourself, you have created a safe space within your home, job, situation. You're going to make sure that you have a safe space everywhere. Mm-hmm. And if that means cutting out people that cannot get with your healing process or can't respect your healing process, you're going to let them go very quickly. Because you, you're you not going to hang on to damaged goods because you already know what it's like to be damaged. You know, hurt in those ways. So you're not going to stay in those spaces too long. Sometimes we, we, you know, get those old habits back and we have to figure out how to kick the old habit. Yeah, we got to figure out how to kick the old habit. But every day you have 24 hours to create the impact in your life that you want. Be the change agent. And it's hard sometimes we have to say goodbye to people that, you know, can be a good person to you. But you have to realize, will this eventually become toxic? You just speak nothing but the truth. Yeah. You think about it. When you go through so much, you sit there and you can recognize it early and be like, okay, so I feel like in about six months, something here is going to switch. Or you would, or the great part about healing and going through the healing process that when things are going on in your life, 
You feel the shift before it becomes a reality. I tell people all the time, I stay in my lane to avoid the crash. Yes. That doesn't mean that I'm not aware of everything that's going on around me. I see everything that's going on in every lane and coming at the directions, coming in, going in my life. I stay within my lane because I know if I dip into your lane and that becomes too toxic, then me and you are riding in the same lane. Right. Both toxic. So for me to stay in a space of healing, I have to stay within my space of healing. I have to know my boundaries and I have to set my boundaries. And sometimes people that say that they are healed from their trauma refuse to look at themselves. So when you start seeing those, those attacks, as I call them, when you start seeing those attacks, those negative things, you know how to handle it. You, you get out quick. Even as I listen to you, I'm, I'm thinking a, a part of that has to be being able to honor that inner voice, that intuition. Yes. But you have to be open. That part. When you're going through healing, you have to be open to the fact that you as a person, you're going to change. How is it that we can have conversations about life and about love and about jobs and about this and about that, but we don't have conversations with the fact that we want to change. People get into any kind of relationship, businessship, kinship, friendship all of that expecting you to be a change agent in somebody else's life. Yes, but at the same time, how can I be a change agent in someone else's life and I'm not a change agent in my own? Hold on. Say that again for the people that's (laughs) way in the back. (laughs) The peanut gallery. Yes. Uh, I mean, you can't be a change agent in and you're not changing yourself. Like, how can you do that? You're not open to the fact that you can evolve. You know, are you scared of that old person that, you know, the old person that was wild and hanging out and partying? Are you scared the fact that when you change, people aren't still going to love you because you're no longer the person that wilds out and party and hang out all the time? Mm. You, It's okay to change. Every day you're supposed to change. You're supposed mm. to evolve in some way each and every day you wake up. Why? Because the day before you is gone. It's no longer there. Today's a new day. How am I going to evolve today and, and open my mindset? People always say, oh, no, you have to be, you know, oh, you know, you have to be open to love. Forget that. You have to be open to changing yourself because when you change yourself, you will find a true love. You will find a safe space. You will find a safe friends. You will be okay with putting in boundaries and you will be cool with saying a word no when you need to. All of that. I just, <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, come on. Like we have, we, we are here for a moment, right? Now I'm a Buddhist, so I believe in rebirth. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, you know, um, nobody ever came back and said, you know, I was such and such, such in a form of life. OK, so I have to be realistic. We're here for a moment. But how what kind of impact am I going to make? Am I going to stay in those spaces of self-loathing and self-doubt and have and keep having that fear of rejection? Am I going to stay in those spaces in order to what I create, what I considered back then used to be a safe space for me? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to say, OK. I am working through my imposter syndrome. I am working through these things and I'm in a space of healing because if you can't, you can't be okay with you changing and healing, you can't get to those things. So for me, for my business, I decided to create that for entrepreneurs. And I tell people about making sure that you check that self wellness. You have to check your mental state at all times in being with business because things will come out in different ways and it can affect your overall business. Yeah. So perfect segue um, because anybody listening, obviously I trust everything that Candace is saying. I just want y'all to know right now, just in this, now I don't know if she's going to say something crazy later on. I don't know about that. But just in this conversation, (laughs) I trust everything Candace is saying. 
And I feel like we're kindred spirits. So there's that. So you've got the business knowledge broker hour. You've got the Joseph consulting firm. You've got, That's great. talk about your business. Talk about all of that, whatever you want listeners to know. I'm so excited to hear about it. The first thing I want the listeners to know is this, you can accomplish anything and the thing about it is you are worthy of all of the things that you hoped and prayed for as long as you put in a determination and create a plan to make it happen. So the Joe's Consulting Firm, like I said, it just started it started out as, hey, can you do this? Hey, can you help me with that? And it grew from there. But what I realized as becoming an entrepreneur, yes, I had great coaches and I used to follow around and shadow entrepreneurs. I didn't know enough about different types of businesses. So it was always like a one-sided thought or a one-sided thing. So I started thinking about all of the things that I needed to run my business. And okay, I know I can't wear all these hats. How is it an entrepreneur is going to get into business and they're going to think that they can run all these hats? I scoped out, I seeked out, and some people I Facebook stalked and Instagram stalked to find great entrepreneurs to work with. So I created the house that the entrepreneurs live in. All of everybody on my team had their own brands, their own companies, their own niche. But it's everything that an entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur would need from websites to apps, content writing media training, leadership training, employee training. Um, we do strategy sessions with people in regards to how to grow their company. Uh, we write grants, business plans. Um, we hook you up with events. We hook you up on podcasts if you need to go on podcasts. I've even helped people. In, I've even invested in people's companies just to get them started because I see the potential within them. That spawned off into the radio show. I was just asked, you know, to go on an interview one night and I've done it. And then it was like, well, hey, do you want your own show? So I started looking at it like, you know, I can't talk about basic business stuff for hours. That's boring. So what I decided to do was what was the one thing that I needed when I first became a business owner? Exposure. Mm -hmm. So I decided to create a platform where entrepreneurs can come on my platform and talk about their business, because in order to patronize good people you gotta know where to find them <laughs> and I don't care where they are so mm -hmm. for me that's an extension of that it's an extension of the coaching sessions that I do with people to make sure they always know that they are supported and cared for and loved in the space of business and as people from there it spun off to um, being featured on a lot of different podcasts I co-host a couple of podcasts uh, every week and uh, I've done some limited series podcasts too and recently I became part owner of a local cable television network here in Houston where I've decided to make sure that different stories are told through live podcasting through uh, movies, do sitcoms. And I don't care if people already have stuff that's packaged, that's ready to go on the air. I will put it there. And I've been dealing into documentary space as well. Wow. It's an honor to get asked to do red carpet events where I'm interviewing entrepreneurs as they go into award ceremonies or at pop-up shops. Cause I do it there too. They need to be celebrated no matter where the space large or big. I have asked to become pageant judges and keynote speakers and motivational speakers. I've been asked to go to other houses of worship to teach business classes. And I'm going to do that in the space of love and knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that's just a thing. It just spawned out of an idea and a determination and a drive. For me, it was more so of, I spent all this time self-loathing, self-doubting, hating myself, basically. Let me show the love. Let me show people the Candace love. Let me give them the love that I feel for myself. And that's the thing. And do it come in waves? Yes. I have those days where I'm angry at everybody and don't know why. There are times where I sit in my room and I cry and I don't know why. There are times where I go and listen to opera and I'm kind of like, man, yeah, that's the next plan. 
that's what we're going to do. So for me, I'm in a space of completion because I know I don't look at it as lost time where I went through those spaces because I'm still in the healing. So I can't lose time on the thing that I'm still healing on. But I look at it and said, okay, I don't want the next chapter of my life to be without these things. Going through healing, having my own business, having a safe space. So my office is my safe space because it's the one thing that came out of the beauty of loving me. Oh, that's perfect. You're a gift. I just want you to know that even I'm a brand new entrepreneur. So I opened my private practice last year. Mm -hmm. I published my book last year. I started developing my podcast last year. Didn't know shit about none of, none of the three things I just listed. Okay. And, and called a friend of mine and I just cried and cried. Like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not smart enough to be doing all these things, but I'm doing it. I'm learning. And so as I hear that your consulting firm provides all of these resources for anybody out there and even me, like I I know that, okay, I can come to you and say, okay, this is what I'm struggling with. And I got a solution for you. You have a solution. And that's what we need. Let me get you to the piece. Yes, exactly. And (laughs) and I just want to add that if you're a a black person or, or, or even a person of color, a lot of these resources aren't known to us depending on geographically where you live. So all the things that Candace is offering, I am telling you, please reach out. If you are an aspiring entrepreneur, if you're a young person just trying to figure out your business and you yeah. don't know what to do, you don't ha- you want to create a business plan, don't know how, whatever the case is, or if you're thinking of a nonprofit or you need a grant or whatever the case is, Candace is literally laying out all of the things because she's been there yeah. and and she can help you and so I'm already thinking, okay, what do I need? Because I might be reaching out. List. Yeah. Write a list. Write a Email it to me, right? Yeah. So I, I encourage people to do that. And then I want to say too, but please understand when you call my phone, you have to let me know what you do for the community that pays you. How yes. do you give back to charity? Because mm-hmm. if you don't give, if you don't do something within the charitable spaces in some way, mm-hmm. you cannot be my client. Right. And you can call me when you decide the fact that you're going to support mm-hmm. the community that helps pay you. Mm. That's, that's the only rule that's I got. Other, huge. Than that, other than that, I don't care what industry you're in. You'd be surprised some of the calls that I get about some yeah. of the businesses that I would have never thought of in a million years. And I love it. Mm-hmm. It's infectious, right? Mm-hmm. But that's the only rule I got. That's it. You got to be doing something for somebody else besides yourself. Yes. It can't be that's all it. about profit based. You know, you have to. You start a business with community in mind because you're there to solve a problem. So if your focus is not on the community, then you're only looking at your own problems to solve. And I can't help you with that. But I I told somebody that when you are being led by money and you do things only to make a dollar, I feel like our higher power walks out the room, like don't want nothing to do with it. If you are literally only thinking about how do I make this next dollar and you're not thinking about how do I help? How do I love? How do I give back? How do I serve? I feel like our higher power walks out the room. For me, that's what it feels like. Yeah. No, that's that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where people forget that, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in business and and Mm -hmm. think that you're, you know, big headed and all of that. And, Mm -hmm. oh, I got to have this status and all that. But yeah, but if it wasn't for the community that pays you, you wouldn't be able to go out there and buy those Bentleys, mm-hmm. those nice house, those red bottom shoes. Yeah. If it wasn't for the people that patronize you, you wouldn't have those things. So I believe in that. That's one of the reasons why I consider myself the everyday man's business consultant, because I'm not going to charge you thousands of dollars for something. The whole point is for me to get you in business. 
So, yeah. you know, if you got to work that thing out and you got to come over here and cut my grass for six months for your website, then that's what we're going to do. That's it. That's it. Oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Like the point is to get you in business. So I can't price gouge somebody because I got to make, I got to think about my bottom line. Yeah. No way. That's not fair. So yeah. people always want a fair deal. If you want a fair deal in relationships, a fair deal in everything that you deal with, people, kinships, uh, you want a fair deal in business, you be a fair person. So I give, I give someone high quality for a fair price. Um, I'd like to have you back to talk about what not to do as an up and coming entrepreneur. The, the, how, how can we learn from my mistakes, your mistakes? <laughs> hey, <laughs> look, I got a list. I got a list. Like I was sitting there thinking about, you know, that book, The Thousand Things I Didn't Learn in Business School. Mm -hmm. I was sitting there thinking about the other day, like I should write one of the thousand things that I need to tell people what not to do in entrepreneurship. Because I I mean, I've had really practically almost 20 years worth of experience doing this. And there's some things I bumped my head on. And then there's Mm -hmm. some things I'm like, you know, you got that one right. Don't you feel good about yourself? You got that one right. So we can talk about it. And the thing about it is entrepreneurship is scary, but it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing about it is that to me, entrepreneurship is the one thing that you can really free fall in and let go of the fear of. We have fear of everything else around us every day, right? Traffic mm-hmm. and someone um, writing us off or, you know, our job ending. But when you decide to go into entrepreneurship, that's true freedom. And I've learned how to be free within my spaces by launching my business. So that way, when people come at me with some slick stuff, I just be like, oh, you tried it really hard. Do you not know I could see you coming now? And in the right. past, I would be like, oh, my God, oh, you want to work with me? Now I'm like, what's your angle? <laughs> right. So um, just just know I'm going to be reaching back out to you, Candice, so that we can talk Anytime. about those 20 things. So I know you listen to opera, but... When you want to dance, when you want to move your body, what 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 are you turning on? What kind of music are you listening to? I like all kind of music, right? I'm like into hip hop, all of that. But like uh, some Rihanna is real cool with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Swedish house mafia. Mm-hmm. It just it's all about the baseline. Anything to have a really good baseline and a really mm-hmm. good hook, and it's just like bam, bam, bam. Yeah. bam. I'm like, yes. that's it. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Doesn't matter what artist, what genre, what decade. Mm-hmm. If you got a good beat, oh yeah. You know, I, I agree. That it does not matter. No matter. Uh, mm-hmm. And and who makes you who or what makes you laugh? It's my brother. Mm-hmm. He makes me laugh. My brother, Greg, he makes me laugh and uh, he makes me smile, too, because mm-hmm. like even if I'm angry, he'll find something to make me smile, like a cute video or a picture or he'll send me something creatively. He done for a client. And I'd be like, oh, I'm in happy space now. You know, mm-hmm. the one thing that makes me smile, I think about is everybody that came before me, the hope of everyone that's coming after me. That's mm-hmm. the, that's really the thing that just makes me light up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who or what? inspires you wow i think that all entrepreneurs that i know have inspired me to be an entrepreneur that's where you get those lessons right Mm -hmm. and i think the thing that's going to inspire for the future is truthfully the legacy that i want to leave behind you know i wrote a poem that i i put as a part of my package for my will a lot of people don't like to talk about that but i've had my will and funeral planned out since i was 23 years old i wrote a poem and it says at the end the one thing I want you to remember about me is that I was always a friend. Mm. So for the rest of my life, I want to be a friend to the entrepreneur. I want to be a friend to someone in the nonprofit space. 
I want to be that friend. I want to be that go-to person that you know you can lean on. I, I want to be the rock for people and I have good people that I know I could be, I could lean on them as my rock. So that's that. the that's inspiration. Yeah. And for anybody listening and they want to connect with you, they want to find you on social. Can you just provide all your info so that folks can, can, can find you? You can go to www.josephconsultingfirm.com. You can hit me up on any social medias, the josephconsultingfirm.com. If you want me personally, I am on Clubhouse. I am on Twitter. I am on Instagram. My Instagram name is Candice the King. Uh, so you can look at me. You can look me up that way. And look, let's just be real. You want to call me, call me, text me, 713-425-0510. That's my, my personal business line. I always answer it. If I'm not answering, a teammate is answering. And this is the thing. Call. Don't ever be scared to jump out there and take that leap into entrepreneurship. Or even if you just, you know, you need some friendly advice, give me a call. You know, now I will say this. I do not take dating requests over the phone. I don't do that type of thing. <laughs> but you can call me about Hello, Candace. <laughs> You can call me about business, but do not invite me out on a date because then that old Candace from 15 years ago is going to come out and hurt your feelings. So I'm just going to give the pre-warning. Don't call me about a date, but you can definitely call me about business. Love that. Um, and everybody, I was on the the Business Knowledge Broker Hour uh, when I was a newbie to the podcasting world and Candace allowed me to come on and it was amazing opportunity. So check out that episode. It's on YouTube. And so uh, thank you so much, Candice, for, for being part of uh, When We Speak. Look, I told you, you're part of the tribe. Like we, we have to be in a space where we uplift, empower, educate each other, and make sure that each other are creating their safe spaces. So thank you for doing the work of making sure that people are okay with creating their own safe space and to go through the healing process. Thank you for being a change agent. So you will always have my support. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to When We Speak. Follow me on Instagram at Tasha Hunter LCSW. If you haven't done so yet, please rate, review, and follow me on iTunes and share it on your social media. If you want a copy of my book, What Children Remember, it is available on Amazon. Until next time.